lot of Muslims today around the world, uh, I should even say Muslims who have studied in the seminary, uh, Muslims that have large libraries, um, even some who may lead Friday prayers here and there in, in the West, uh, believe it or not, they don't know much about what happened, what really happened after the demise of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, and specifically what led to uh, the killing of Imam al-Hussein, because obviously this was not something that just happened overnight. I mean, it's not, it's not possible for people, like you said, to rally such a large army uh, to kill Hussein, the son of Ali and Fatima. And he, in fact, made sure that he reminds them when he stood several times, several times. And I, though this is not mentioned specifically in the different maqatil, but this is my take from, from reading it so many times and looking at so many different books of history. I believe because the masses were so large, Imam al-Hussein gave several sermons during the 10th of Muharram and obviously prior to that. But he probably chose different parts of this army, meaning he focused on different parts so that every one of them would eventually hear him and would eventually hear his cries and, and, and be able to kind of come back to themselves and, and ask themselves, what the hell am I doing here? Uh, what is this? So amongst the things that he does is he took with him the horse of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, you know, that he took with him the, 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 the amama, the turban of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, you know, for somebody just to go out to perform hajj and, and wants to go back to Medina, that doesn't make sense. So Imam al-Hussein, obviously, in his sermons, specifically the one in Mecca, made it clear that he knows, like you rightfully said just now, he knows what's going to happen. The letters he writes for his supporters, telling them that, look, there isn't going to be any you know, hukm or, or fat or, or survival even, we will all be killed. And if the religion of Muhammad is not going to survive without me welcoming you, O swords, then I welcome you. I embrace you. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people today, do not know what happened that led to the Muslim community to hear Hussein wearing the turban of the Prophet, sitting on the horse of the Prophet, um, wearing some of the attire that the Prophet, Jubba that the Prophet used to wear, telling them, do you know who I am? Yes, we do know who you are. Is there any other <clears throat> grandson to any Prophet besides me, that is alive on the face of this earth, no. Then allow me to just go freely. Don't stain your hands with my blood. And they're adamant to kill them. Well, what is it that would lead to the massacre of Imam al-Hussein? That is one question that many of scholars today specifically scholars out of the madhab of Ahl al-Bayt, do not ask themselves, or are not willing to ask themselves, or not willing to engage in this conversation. 
And I think that is very unfair to their audience. That is very unfair to themselves. This is history. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we running away from certain truths because they may not resonate uh, well with us or our, our families or our positions or our communities? Of, of course, some of them are extremely brave. Some of them are extremely outspoken. Some of them are, are dedicated scholars. Uh, may Allah bless them and protect them. They continue to enlighten their audience uh, very well. Um, what would you Can say I just, to... Could I, could, I, um, could I add just two very quick points? Absolutely, there? please. Two little things which seem to, to people to be significant, but for me are very important. The first is that at the moment of the death of Al-Hussein, nobody actually wanted to do it. If you read the texts carefully, they were hanging back. Nobody wanted to be the one who did it. This is the enemy now surrounding him. Um, Lady Zainab goes out and says, isn't there a single Muslim among you? And, and the one to whom she talks, and that's uh, um, Umar bin Saad, apparently turns his face away and weeps. But it's only because of the dreadful shimmer who harangues them and says, for heaven's sake, just one of you do it now. But there's a huge reluctance at the moment to actually kill the, the, the grandson of the Prophet. But in the dream texts, there's a whole series of dreams after the death of Hussein of people who were at Karbala as part of Yazid's army. Um, many of them merchants or sa- sale, selling weapons and iron. And, and, and they dream of their own horrible fate that's awaiting them. And the constant refrain is, I never shot an arrow at him and I never attacked him with a weapon. And the response that Muhammad gives to them in the dream is, but you increase the number of his enemies, even if you didn't physically do it yourself. I think those are two very important points, that there's this reluctance on the one hand, but on the other hand, guilt by association. And I think guilt by association continues, not a momentary thing. I think there are still those who, in a sense, you know, I know, I know that the, the great sheer piety is that had I been there, I would have fought with Hussein to the death. And, and, and my great lament in my life is that I wasn't there. But I think the opposite works as well. All kinds of people who, if they'd been, they would have been on the, on the other side. Guilt by association. I'm lucky because I'm a non-Muslim historian. So I can stand in the middle and, and I don't have to take sides. And therefore, I am able to trace from the moment of the Prophet's death to the moment that Hussein breathes his last on the field of Karbala. I am able, in a sense, to trace the deteriorating situation in Islam, in its leadership and in the direction that it's taking, without taking sides, without people saying, oh, it's just because you study Shiism. No, I'm not a Muslim. I'm, I'm interested in history. You know, if I, if I was studying the Second World War and I took the British side, it's not because I'm anti-German, it's because my common sense tells me that, you know, and it's exactly the same with this. I can, I can look at the history uh, as an independent, objective observer and say, well, let's trace it. And as I said at the beginning, it is horrendous, the event of Karbala, that it even happened. But one can see quite clearly the historical situation leading up to it, starting with with, with Ali himself and the problems with Muawiyah, um, and then Muawiyah handing on as a hereditary thing to his son, the caliphate, which goes against everything, breaking all his promises. So it's hard for me when, when people find the guilt on the Shia side to say, well, hang on a moment, 
people like Muawiyah broke their promises. You don't break your promise or your word. You don't break the treaties you've made. You don't hand on power to a drunken son, you know, if he's going to be the leader of the House of Islam. So let's just look at this a little more carefully. One can see the pattern, the deterioration. And, you know, prophets are never popular, especially among their own people. They always get told to go and prophesy somewhere else. And that's what Hussein's problem was. He was a prophet among his own people, and people don't like that. <clears throat> what would you say to Muslims who... We do have uh, Muslims who are not uh, Shia. Uh, I know that for a fact on our platform uh, because of the fact that they have seen nothing but respect from us. Uh, and I, I, I definitely will make sure that things are uh, moving along this manner for, for, uh, for as long as uh, uh, I am active uh, in, in prob uh, propagating the, uh, the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt because that's what the Ahlul Bayt stand for, for uh, res showing respect towards uh, uh, everybody. Uh, and, and we have to make sure that in propagating their message, we are focused in making sure that we stay aligned with their teachings and their principles and their ethics and morality. Uh, you know, volumes and volumes are written on the akhlaq, the morality and the ethical standards of Imam Ali and Fatima and Hassan and Hussein. Uh, and even Imam Zainul Abidin, where he says, if I was given the dagger that cut the throat of my father as uh, as a trust, I would make sure that I return it to the man. Uh, so if we are promoting uh, the teachings of Ahlul Bayt, or we're just speaking uh, about historical events to make sure we shed some light on the injustices that happened after the life of the Prophet, we have to make sure that we follow uh, their principles and, and their footsteps. What would you say to Muslims who could possibly see this now, could see this later, could probably not even be part of uh, this immediate circle, but it can somehow get to their hands, that don't know Fatima, that don't know what happened after the demise of the Prophet, that don't even know that Hussein was killed and massacred, uh, that don't even know uh, that his family was paraded from one city to another, that don't, they don't know that the head of Hussein and his family uh, was returned to Medina, not his, his body. Uh, and, and further, uh, that the, the city of Medina, you know, Muslims dream their whole life of, of going to Medina. You know, they see this in, in the movies and they see this in, on TV and they ask, you know, they, they pray to God we want to go there and we want to visit the, the Prophet's mosque and we want to pray there. Do they even know that, uh, you know, the army of Yazid, who was the caliph of the time, attacked the city, ransacked the city, raped its woman, so that they say that the next year, this next, next year after the invasion of Medina by the troops of Yazid, the majority of the birth that took place in the holy city of Medina was due to uh, uh, the rape that had happened from the Muslim army to the Muslim woman present in the holy city of Medina. Uh, I don't want to get into gruesome details of you know how they entered the mosque of the Prophet and, 
and, and excuse me for saying this, I, I apologize to my audience, using the, the holy book, the holy Quran, the last revelation uh, to wipe themselves. This is not, you know, in, in some Shi'i uh, historical books. This is in the books of the history of all Muslims. Um, and then attacked the, the holy Kaaba and destroyed the holy Kaaba. For Muslims who don't know this, or for Muslims who do know, outside the Madhab of Ahlul Bayt, but they're just, you know, yeah, they know, but they're, they're not going around telling their families or their friends. Because to, to, to many of us, to many people watching, uh, I, I get criticized, you know, uh, why are we talking about the past? Is it important as a Muslim? Is it important... Uh, for us to, as Muslims, to even know those things and, and study them and understand them, and and, uh, and 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 one more thing that I would like for you to add is, I I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of the Muslims who are outside the Madhab of Ahlul Bayt were they not told by the Prophet Muhammad that they have to love, they must love. It's you know, as if, just like he told them to pray and just like he told them to fast and just like he told them to, to perform the pilgrimage, he told them they must love his Ahlul Bayt. The Prophet, for example, told the Muslims also to, to comb their beards uh, and, and to shave their mustache and, and to, to, uh, to, to, you know, take the, the Friday shower in the morning. There are Muslims who have taken such things so literally and have made those things their ultimate purpose in life where, you know, they have to shave their mustache every day and grow their beards and, and, uh, and, and you know, um, do the, the, the little stupid things of, you know, should we enter the bathroom with our right foot or left foot or, or things like this. And they have forgotten, uh, you know, such an important task that they have. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, tells them, you must love my family and you must show your love to my family. So my question are the following two. Number one, people that don't know history, have not read history, uh, don't care enough to know about history. What is your advice to them, to the Muslims? And number two, those who really are indifferent, careless, they don't show their reverence. They don't see Ali as an exemplatory figure in their lives and they haven't studied his life. What would you say to them? Well, perhaps starting with number two first, you know, in this Islam, Shi Islam and Catholicism are very similar. Some people are Catholic by culture and upbringing, but not by faith. They may do the basics. You know, they'll fast during Lent and they'll, you know, but, but that's about all. They make no effort to know faith, to, to, serve, to serve God. You know, I mean, what is service of God? Primarily obedience. And you can't obey a God whose commandments you do not know. So, so you know, it's, it's a worldwide problem in religion that some people, and, and maybe particularly so in, in Islam, in that Islam, religion and social, social and political spheres are all one. I mean, it's not that everything is separated. And so that many people may just be Muslim by by politics or by social life or by upbringing, but not by faith, not by conviction. So there's always going to be that, that problem. Um, you know, I always say to people, don't accept 
the received wisdom of the age, because the received wisdom of the age is almost always wrong. It changes every couple of years, the received wisdom of the age, and it usually comes from social media. And, and I think social media has been one of the most extraordinarily beneficial things and also one of the most damaging things. Let me tell you, I mean, I know this, one of the worst places on social media is Islamic Twitter, followed closely by Catholic Twitter. They're awful places, people just slanging dirt at each other and accusing each other of, you know, of everything. You know, you could be accused of being Rafidi. That's fine. We in Catholicism, we have our own accusations of whether you're orthodox or a heretic. It's exactly the same thing. So social media is a very bad place to discover God, to learn what God desires. You know, instead of following the wisdom of the age, which is the easier route, learn the wisdom of the ancients, the people who have gone before us, the people who have, like your, your Najaf scholar and his bull, you know, or, or the one who begged for, for the, yeah, the one who begged for food, like that. Men of such holiness and, and you know, holiness, I mean, how do you define holiness? I think holiness is wherever, whichever life God is at work in, in some way, creating. God is creating, God is halik, creating piety and justice and, and, and righteousness, creating these things. Wherever God is doing that, there's real holiness. There are plenty of truly good people to be imitated. There are plenty of exceptionally easy books to read where one can inform oneself and, and make decisions. But if people, you know, I mean, we have this problem in every college, every university. Students today don't read anymore. They just go onto the internet, onto Wikipedia, even Wikishia, and they just get their little bit of information without, without any depth. And, and it is a great temptation. You know, we need discipline in our lives. If I want to live a life of integrity, whatever f the area that is, whether it's my marriage or my job or my faith, I need to put some work into it, of course. People work at their marriages. People work at their diets and at their gym regimes and all kinds of... So people know the truth. You really need to work at something. But faith, faith is always the first thing to suffer because it's the easiest thing to suffer. But this is, this is a universal problem we're always going to have. it. So I say to people, please, I mean, I say to students, please, just keep reading. Even if you've got five minutes between class, pick up a book and read. Just read, because the time is going to come in your life when you're too busy to read. You're working, you know, and, and you don't have the time to have as a student. So whenever you can read, just read and read broadly, read widely. And as you educate yourself, your mind will be able to discern truth as you read. Your gut will tell you what truth is. But don't just accept the wisdom of the age. Whatever people happen to be saying today is, you know. Um, on the other side, we're always going to have this issue of those who are Catholic or Muslim in name and those who really are by faith. And it's our constant battle, as with you as priests, every Sunday, begging people to pray, begging people, please, you know, don't, don't give up too easily. It's, a, it's very hard to follow God. It's not an easy path. One has to give up all kinds of things, easy choices and pleasures that simply don't accord with what God wants. But the moment one begins to try to follow God faithfully, one joins, if you like, a, a system or a regime that will not tolerate anything that violates his justice or his mercy. Once one is in that, that it's a wonderful thing, but it's, it's hard to get there. It takes some work. 
as it's hard to get fit or lose weight or, do, or break a bad habit, but you work at it and you get there. And I, this is the way I've always tried to, to encourage my own students. I should also say, just remembering that bowl, that one of the things I carry around with me generally is a tiny little copy of the Sahifa of Zain al-Abidin. And the reason I carry it around with me is because as a non-Muslim, I constantly hear non-Muslims telling me how dreadful Islam is. Um, even, you know, shouting at me, why do you waste your time? Why don't you? And I, I always quietly look at the Sahifa. I don't show it to them. I look at it to remind myself, this is the Islam that I know. This little book, this is the Islam that I know. No matter what people may say, no matter what some Muslims may do or not do, I know this, this, this is the real thing. And just to remind myself. So, yeah, I'm afraid social media has become one of our great, one of the great dangers. It is a destructive place, even with things as simple as the vaccine for COVID. Social media has become one of the most destructive places, just filling people's minds with nonsense. And it's a great sadness to see how many people create lives and philosophies for themselves based on that. What would you say to Muslims who are clueless on who the Ahlul Bayt are, but yet they're Muslim? You know, the obvious answer is do some research, ask some questions, go talk to somebody, find out why, why are you a Shia? You know, what, what is it, you know, what is it that, that keeps you where you are and what, that hasn't caused you to change? Why, why do you, people ask me, why are you a Catholic? Why, with all the scandals in the church, with all the shocking things that have come out, the revelations, why do you stay? Why don't you change and do something else? So, you know, quite often talking to somebody is, is a very good place to start. You know, I'm talking to you now, uh, not because I'm going to convert, uh, and not because I'm, 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 I'm going to challenge you. I'm just interested to know what on earth makes you want to be a Shia, you know, in the modern world or a Catholic in the modern world. It's not a bad place to start. But also, you know, books now, I mean, there are endless books on, on, on Islam and endless books on history and, and not heavy technical things. You know, I, I use sometimes the dummy's guide to Arabic grammar to teach my students because it's just the easiest route to go to get some really difficult concepts across. So there is all kinds of literature available and, and with a little advice from somebody wise, and you know, we all need somebody wise occasion to give us a little prod. With a little advice, one can read healthily and, and in a way that instructs rather than tears down. So, you know, if God exists, does not exist, then it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. If God exists, he is the most important thing in the world. There is nothing else that comes close to God if he exists. So either he exists or he doesn't. And if he does, your whole of your life needs to be directed towards him. You can't believe that he exists and not go the whole way. You, how can you not? If you were to visit one of the holy shrines of the Muslims, where would it be and why? Well, this is quite a difficult one.